Um, show here on For The Record this week with FBI Royalty. We're going through the debut album by Nasho off of No Patience Records, a lovely Sydney release, and we're very privileged to have Heli, bassist from the band, live in the studio chatting with us about it. Thank you so much for joining Dan and I, Heli. No worries. Thanks to the both of you for having me here. No problem. Easily one of the best records of the year, I think we can say without doubt. I think it's easily... I think people are very quick to categorise things as the best Australian record or the best Sydney record, but I think sure. this holds it holds its own in every front, whether that be international or from from Australia or yeah. from Sydney. So well, Mazel Tov on the record, so great. Very easy favourite of 2018. Thank you so much. We're <laughs> like myself and the band as well. We're incredibly humbled to be given such great accolades. <laughs> so if you're just coming across Nasho for the first time, they. From their own mouths, they say they make dubby hardcore punk out of Sydney. Um, but what makes them different and unique is they very much have gripping lyrics and a big back, or oh not backstory, but piercing words to say that maybe I guess to some people would be a bit shocking. But I think it's very much something that's missing in the scene. A lot of the lyrics on the record um, talk about gentrification, displacement, or diaspora within like a migrant community or multiculturalism as a concept if you will um capitalism colonization displacement again um and pretty much a a big discussion and word on like white privilege and breaking all of that stuff down um you're going to get schooled on it in the next hour here on (laughs) (laughs) definitely i if i can say from the words of lorna monroe a staunch activist in redfern you're gonna leave your white fragility at the shore over the next 20 minutes yeah yeah um and i think what's really cool is that you've got a unique kind of setup of the band where you've got shorty from royal headache so are from um dispossessed yourself heli and then uh your guitarist out of the uk how did you all um come together well it's funny because initially 
how Shorty and I linked up was because my old boss is Shorty's partner's mother. Mm. And there was just like after like two or three months of, from working with her, she just casually mentioned how, oh, you know, Shorty's going to come up in the office and he's just going to pick up some things. And then I was just thinking to myself, oh, I wonder, oh, Shorty, like, I remember Shorty. Like, I haven't seen that guy drum in bloody months. Like, I wonder how he's doing. <laughs> and then lo and behold, like 10 minutes later after thinking that, it was Shorty that just walked in. And I was just absolutely gobsmacked by just seeing, you know, him just walk through the door being like, hey, I'm Shorty, nice to meet you. And I was just stunned because I was just like, man, this guy, I just have not seen someone with such unbridled energy and enthusiasm behind the drum kit. Like, the first time I saw Raw Headache, would have been 2010 and I was just coerced into going to this gig and it wasn't just in a random garage up at Botany Roadway I think and I think they did the song Girls and just seeing Shorty's arms flailing all over the place was just unlike anything I'd seen before and I was just thinking to myself as a um, very impressionable 20 year old man I'd love to play with someone like that <laughs> so then fast forward to 2017 I, I meet Shorty and um, and I meet him in a couple of t- on a couple more occasions as well. And I sheepishly walked up to him one day when we were out um, with my old boss, and I was like, "Hey, uh, we should we should we should jam sometime, eh?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, of course." And my mates here from the UK as well. We should get together and have a jam. And um, and it just sort of went from there. So we initially started writing music as a three piece. Um, we worked for about four to five months just writing material um just actually just not even writing lyrically like it was just more of the instrumentals themselves um and then i just in my mind i just had these grand ideas of being like man we need i think i know the perfect person to front this and this is it kind of um intertwined with a time where dispossessed played one of their last shows in sydney um for a while um due to various reasons and um in the middle of the set, Sir just grabs the microphone and they do a cover of Bad Brains Band in DC, but instead of DC, they substituted DC for Sydney. And and funnily enough, I was with Shorty at the time and we were like, this was like a day after we did a band prac. And um, I just looked at Shorty after Sir so did that cover and I just, I was just shaken. And I was just, when I could, you know, gather the courage to bring myself to talk about it again, I was like, we need Sowa. We need Sowa in this band that we're making. And um, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, that would be great. But then circumstances arose. Um, we didn't see Sowa for a bit. But about seven months later, I see Sowa at this, um, it was in uh, plan, when it was Plan B Small Club. Um, just before Hudson Borum took over and it was one of those like Dirty South nights um, by Halfway Crooks and I walked in and I was just like oh man like I gotta get the hell out of here like all these white people saying the n-word and I was just like man I gotta goodbye everybody but then when I was walking up the stairs so I was walking down and we were and then we both looked at each other and like oh hey like I haven't seen you in ages let's catch up and then I was saying so uh, oh I don't know like it's a pretty shitty vibe down there um and as time wore on that night I just told her about this project that I was doing with Shorty and Bryony um and without hesitation she was like yeah this sounds mad <laughs> so the rest is history and you guys make some of the most beautifully intricate hardcore I think that's come yeah. out of Sydney in a long time. What was what was like the catalyst for for the four of you wanting to start to make hardcore music? What what was kind of like what were the origins of Nasha? Well, the origins kind of stemmed from I mean, we're all from disparate backgrounds, you know, like Shorty and Bryony, like they 
uh, hardcore punk royalty. So you've got Shorty, who's um, you know been drumming in hardcore bands like before Raw Headache. Like he'd been drumming in hardcore groups for a good ten to fifteen years. I could be wrong in that in that, but it's been several years where he was you know cutting been doing his teeth it for a long time. Yeah, and then um, and then Bryony's played in bands like Good Throb, and she's also in this band back in West called Effialtis. I'm sorry if I butchered that name, Bryony. Um, please give me all the lessons for butchering that. Um, so she's been in bands around the UK as well. So there was that hardcore punk energy from them, but then. Um, with me, like, I I mean, I loved hardcore punk when I was, like, 14 or 15 and, um, you know, growing up in the western suburbs of Sydney and when I was trying to start hardcore bands, like, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be honestly told I was too brown and round to be in a hardcore band. Wow. So then I just, you know, I still persisted with music, so I was a very musically inclined um, teenager. So then I got into um, playing blues and then jazz then studied jazz guitar at university, um, absolutely hated it um, at university, and then it just sort of dwindled my passion to actually making music for a bit. Was it was it the pretension of the of of studying jazz? It was the combination of factors that um, just the I guess the overall behaviour of what it's like to study music in an yeah, institutionalised totally. context, um, and also as well like I just had this. Um, revelation where I was just like, man, like if jazz is black music, why is it being taught, especially in the institution that I was in? Like, why has it been taught by white people? Mm. Why has it been taught by people of color? Like, you know, there's also one lecturer who was a person of color, but still was making it out as if he could be the representative of the very um, acad- the, the academic appreciative side of, mm. of, of listening to, and also practicing jazz. Um, it's like, you know, typical nomenclature, like, you know, people not within their own culture, not being able to talk about it, not being able to perform it and to also, you know, um, engage into dialogue within it in, you know, the very walls of academia. It really was unsettling for me. So that's why I just dropped doing music as my ma- uh, music performance as my major and then picked up um, psychology. Um, so then worked, so fast forwarding that to 2017 and just being able to play with uh, Shorty and Bryony at first, um, I got to fulfill things that Teenage Heli couldn't do mm. and to do it with people that were just incredible that I, um, you know, cultivated a great friendship with, but then making some, you know, pretty some some hardcore music with teeth. Um, it was I just... to say the very least. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just... It was... We just... I think we just really needed each other at the time. Um cool. And I get, you know, I don't like, again, like I've never played in a band before. Like, you know, I've, and, you know, I've always just started, stopped things with people, but have never played in a band before up until before Nasho. And it's just kind of nice because I'm a sucker for Motown bass lines and I just brought that in Nasho, but then it's just sort of turned into a beast of its own. It's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird to describe it because it just makes sense to us when we go into the rehearsal space of what we're doing. Um, pre-Serwa, but then, yeah, just hearing other people's responses to it, we're just like, again, it's incredibly humbling just to see how people respond to it. Mm. We're joined by Heli from Nasho for the next 40 minutes or so. If you want to jump on the text line, 0409 945 945 is the spot to do so. We're going to jump into a couple of tracks. This one is called FTP. You're on For The Record.
on For The Record here on FBI Radio 94.5 FM, taking you through the album by Nasho, self-titled with bassist Heli Newton himself, live with me, Maya Bilic and Dan Gordon. Hello. We've talked a little bit about the inception, a little about your own personal background in music, but um, when I was researching stuff for today, one of the things that I really liked was... Oh, what stood out to me was when Bryony had said that there was no kind of, um, how did she say it, exact cultural, generational or musical match between the four of you, yep. but that you share the same politics and that brings you together um, more than any like surface interests. How have you found working together as a band? Or, or is there a, a certain kind of um, way that you approach making music together? I think it's it's all incredibly inherent, Maya. I mean, Bryony, as as eloquently put, as she eloquently put put it, then um, I feel like with us sharing that commonality of you know where our politics lie, um, it provides a great sense of urgency with the way that we produce our music, um, and it just goes to ensure that when it comes to that bridge between rehearsing to performing, it's just all within the same it's all with like we're still cultivating the same sort of world for us um and also cultivating a world where people can actually think about the lyrics that are coming through um the sonic templates that we've provided for soa so again i feel as if it's just natural for the four of us to work in under those conditions yeah do you find that it was i guess lyrically um and I know that you can't speak entirely on Soa's behalf sure. because she is the one who writes the lyrics. Um, but did you f- kind of go in, or I guess as a whole, did you go into it saying we want to be talking about these things or that it was just something that kind of came out in that It way? just came out because, again, going back to what Brian, he said, um, we didn't analyse what Soa wrote. It was just a more that, hey, Soa, here's, here's the songs we've been making. Go to town with what you need to say. And that's, that's it. There's no analysis from our part. Um, we're very trusting um, of, you know, Soa's uh, writing noose to ensure that the message will get across. And it does. Um, and f- on my own personal level, being, you know, um, of Pakistani diaspora, um, it came at quite a crucial time for me as well, because psychologically... Um, you know, it's for however many years I've lived on this earth, like I still have my own identity issues that I face. And just to hear it in lyrics from someone who's just so staunch yet so eloquent, um, it was quite an emotional journey for me personally as well. And there was it was a lot quite, I attribute that to the, my own self-discovery of being a, a proud Pakistani male living in, um, living in a very white world. And... It's something that Sora and I have talked about as people as well, as people of colour. Um, so, again, again, all our politics intertwine in that and we just sort of take it that way. Had you ever tried your hand at writing lyrics? Can we expect any any heli lyrics on the next Nasho record? Definitely not Nasho, but maybe something else. Okay, <laughs> cool. Well, look, I'm not going not gonna to pry too much, but it's got me very excited. Thank you. <laughs> well no i think you said it so eloquently and then you can see it in actions speak louder than words where bryony and shorty let you and so are kind of they're very happy to take the back seat and let you guys lead the way and they're at the same time educating themselves and each other and people around them what was um your favorite part in making this record 
just how fast we were in making it, man. Like the whole, re- so the, the tape that we initially released that was done in four hours, the album that we made uh, just took two sessions. And That's it, so wild. it took two sessions. So obviously with the album, um, it's lifted off a uh, majority of the tracks from the demo release, but the, we weren't, you know, it's not to say that we weren't happy with the demo release, but the songs took a different avenue. Mm. Um, you know, there were rhythms that changed. Um, there were different embellishments on the bass lines. Um, Bryony's guitar tones were much different to what they were in the recordings. So as lyrics, um, there's just much more of a vitality with the message that she was getting across as well. Um, so there were all these um, extenuating circumstances that came from us playing and playing and playing, being like, no, we need to, we need to do something again. We, and we released the album. And again, it took two sessions to record it. That's so wild. I mean, I, I we, like we speak to some bands and they're like laboring over these things for like months and months and months. Do you think that there's a point where you can can overthink a record? Hundred percent. And overthinkness it stifles creativity. Um, personally, that's why I've struggled to make music over the last seven to eight years, and I've mm. just it's been a um, a revelation just to work with people like Bryony, Shorty, and Serwa because they're just people that are like, okay, we've got an idea, let's stick with it. Snap your fingers and then you get yeah. tracks done. That's so crazy. That's I right. mean, it may, like when you think about it, it makes sense, you know? Like that was that was like a big thing Like when a lot of people, like you said, they like have an idea, sit on it for a while, start something else, sit on that for a while, sure. and then they'll kind of get stifled a little bit. So it makes a lot of sense that you guys work in a really quick fashion. Yeah, indeed. And again, it ties into that synchronicity of where our politics lie as four people in this unit. We know what we want to do. We know what we want to achieve. We know our roles like the back of our hand. And that's contributed to the fact that we just put out this record so quickly. Now show the most efficient band <laughs> in Sydney easily. <laughs> you heard it here first on For The Record. Um, Heli... Is there a difference then between recording an album in two days to a Nasho live show? You guys played at the Opera House for the Repressed Records show. On my birthday. Yeah, it's on your birthday. what a good present. It was on my birthday. birthday. Yeah, thank you. That's all right. Classic Gemini's. You know, rule <laughs> in the world. No, but it, it, it says a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Repressed Records guys really do so much for the local scene and Indeed. culture. I'm sure it would have felt like a really nice. I'm not going to say privilege, but like a really nice sense of like someone gets it kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, shout outs to Ben and Chris over at Repressed. And we were so incredibly humbled when we were asked to do it because that was just on the backing of our demo release. And we've, you know, gigged a fair bit prior to that. So, you know, from like September 2017 up until, yeah, like May 2018, um, we we performed quite rigorously between New South Wales down to the south coast, then down in Nam, um, in Melbourne as well. Um, so it put us in good steed for this opera house show. But to go back to your question, yeah, our live shows differ from the last, from the previous one. Um, you know, there's little ornamentations that occur right down through to how Sirwa feels on that night. Like sometimes she'll be pugnacious as hell and get into people's faces. But then there'll be other times where you know, you really do hear her lyrics and the way that it comes across through like Carnivorous Echo or or the delay that comes out of it. Um, so each show differs from the next. So definitely watch us if we uh, come back down and we will in 2019. <laughs> so there's a lot to look forward to. Yes. Hell yeah. 
you were tuned in for the record we're going to jump into a couple more tracks off this nasho record this one's called death cult you're tuned in to fbi radio here on FBI Radio uh, with Haley Newton from Nasho here on For The Record talking about the self-titled debut record by the band. We've gone through a couple of their tracks now. We're slowly about halfway through easing up. Um, but something that I think a lot of people maybe brush off or don't realise or on the other end of the stick will oversaturate as information about Nasho is that you're a band from Western Sydney. Mm. Um which kind of ties into how the name Nasho came about, right? Yeah, indeed. I was sitting on a train um, after work one day. I was catching a train back out to my parents' place in St. Mary's and this dude in his high-vis shirt just comes up to me, like walks past me once and then does a double take. He's like, oh, what's your Nasho, bro? And I told him I was Pakistani and then he just looked at me and just nodded his head, just put his hand out, gave me a slap on the hand, hugged me and then just kept walking. It's just what you encounter on the Western line. That's just, you know, it's not even an aberration. That's like a very minor situation that could occur on the Western line, let's just say. Shouts out to the Western line. (laughs) Putting it out there, not how you need to treat people of colour at all. Nah. Let's let's just say that. Um, But I think what's... We were just kind of loosely talking about different communities in different parts of Australia and... There is definitely, I think, uh, not a resurgence, but people are starting to pay attention to what's happening, not out west, but in another part of Sydney. Um, and how do you feel as a band that come from that and talk about that in your music? 
Well, to set the record straight as well, I mean, we, so Servo and I did grow up in Western Sydney, but um, we really don't like the tag of us being this hail, this band from the Western suburbs. We're just, you know, we wanted to be treated equally as any other band, but I guess with our experiences um, of being people of colour that have grown up in the West, it's unlike what we've heard around Sydney. It's unlike what we've heard um, with other bands that we've um, had the privilege to share stages with. Um, we've just had, well, Sir has had a very strong message and we're fortunate enough to provide that sonic backdrop for her to explore these themes. So we really don't give a shit about people praising us to be um, this gargantuan force that has to be reckoned with. Man, we just, we're playing music and we've got a message. There's a lot of shit that needs to be discussed. There's a lot of urgent matters that we have to address and we feel as if the vehicle of hardcore punk music does that so effectively. Well, I feel like in the last few years, um, Australia and Sydney have almost kind of embraced this ambition of starting to talk about a lot more important topics and bigger topics that people wouldn't necessarily have touched like, sure. you know, five, six years ago. Um, do you think that this is really important for people to start using their art as this platform to, to start dialogue? But the thing is, like, this is what... F- freaking frustrates me um it's just that people are saying things like oh you know people aren't having these conversations five or six years ago because whites have dominated these spaces for the the period of time we have been i I, sorry i can't comment on it from a community communal sense but for the people of color that i've talked to we also have that common factor that we share like we've been crying out for change we've been crying out for having this uh platform to discuss what we want to discuss on a creative level um but I guess it's just come to a point where I guess we were just in, I hate to say this as well, but we were just in maybe in the right space at the right time, which is why people are giving attention to us. But that's even pretty shit to totally. appreciate it in that sense, because these are situations that we've, well, Sir has had to face since she's, you know, grown up, since growing up in Pendle Hill. Like, this is shit that I've had to face growing up in St. Mary's um, and in the Southwest in my early phase of life. So it's just a very frustrating state of affairs when you're having all these people, particularly white people in the saviour complex coming in and just trying to hail us as these um, these lords of trying to uh, facilitate change. Get fucked, seriously. Just... Sorry. No, well said. Well said. Um, but it is, I think, something really important and definitely something that people try and tout around um is this perception of it 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 is called and has been called by shorty as performative wokeness where the whole thing is like i get it but like i'm not really going to act or do anything about it or like i'll give you the mic when i want kind of thing yeah that's right it's all surface-based um you know it's like where are these people when you know if they come up to us after their set and being like oh yeah like those lyrics are they're intense and you know the very the very i guess the very fabric of why we talk about these issues comes from you know years of being you know activists like going out to protest marches going out to talking to communities about these issues that face the society that we're in where are you at these moments people where are particularly white people where are you in these moments seriously ponder on that and don't click attend on Facebook and not do anything about it. There are so many structural barriers that unfortunately there are people who are privileged enough to be able to walk right on through or people who have to wait in a line for it or don't even get let in. How can we change that in the music in Sydney? 
I think there just needs to be a willingness to listen to people and patience. I mean, aren't, I mean, I just asked the audience this question, like, don't you really, I mean, this is probably just a product of white privilege or privilege in general or fragility as well. But what you see, like, don't you question what you see? Like, if you're seeing the same things week in and week out, don't you cry out for a bit of difference for, I guess, your own sense of sanity? But I guess, you know, to go back to your question, again, I feel as if it's just patience and also a willingness to listen. You know, the world can do so much if people can just keep quiet and just give themselves that extra second to keep, you know, keep their thoughts or keep their mouth at bay just to hear other perspectives come to the mic. And I feel as if in Sydney in particular, and, you know, people may think this is unconscious bias, call it whatever it is, but seeing what life is like in Melbourne as well um, from, you know, from a punter, music punters and performers perspective. And I'm sorry if this is throwing shade, but I feel like with Sydney, there is that patience for people to listen. There is that willingness for people to have that platform, especially people within the LGBTIQ community in a punk context as well, to come up and actually voice their opinions and share their um, share their outlook on the world. Shouts out to Sportsbra. Um, and also to, I guess, our fellow people of colour that... Um, and First Nations people as well to come up on stage and actually just flex their muscles and um, either be pugnacious or to be eloquent to bring about some socially pertinent issues to the table that need to be discussed and not a willing and not this um, not this passivity that sort of comes to play when people have their privilege and fragility questioned. Mm. tuned into for the record where we have had the absolute pleasure of talking to heli from nasho all about the self-titled record they put out this year one of our favorites here at for the record one of our favorites here at fbi and we hope it was one of your favorites as well 
maybe I'll get a little special nod somewhere. Who knows? Um, but Heli, what's what's going to come up, or is there anything that's going to happen for Nasho in 2019? Because I, I mean, you could say this was sort of a big like finger snap, like here we are, kind of thing. Yeah, that was a lot of clicks. There, there was a lot of clicks, but <laughs> indeed, <laughs> what's gonna what's to come for Nasho? Um, in true Nasho fashion, um, we're going to be the comet that comes into Sydney and then dissipates. So, where so our guitarist Bryony is going to be back here from the UK for a couple of months in March. So, we're looking at just doing a whole bunch of gigs. Who knows? You might even get a cheeky release. We'll Book see what happens. Um, and and then that's it. From June, we may head overseas to play some shows. Nice. And broadly, do you think there's still, like, there's obviously still steps to go for hardcore punk in Sydney. What would you like to see come out of the scene? Just greater appreciation for people's backgrounds and also people just being able to have a beer or have a drink and just chat about oppressive means of what's been happening in our city and moving on from that to create a safer space for people from various backgrounds to come in and watch a show and talk shit, um, have a dart and exchange hugs. There's nothing like giving a hug at a hardcore show. It's really nice to be able to, um, you know, initially, because, you know, I've, I've been brought up to give people hugs and kisses my whole life and, you know, going to some staunch hardcore guys and actually just giving them a hug when they just try to put out their hand <laughs> and just feeling that bit of tension that you get from the hug. But, you know, fast forward that to from when, you know, I started going to punk shows from playing in Nasho to, you know, seeing how things are like now and people are willing, are willing to give a hug. So I'm a cockeyed optimist when it comes to change and I feel like... That's definitely starting in Sydney, well, and I, you know I'm sure in Melbourne as well. It'll it'll take it'll take its lead there. Well, I myself am a hugger, so I've got to get myself <laughs> to a Nasho show real quick. Indeed. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, what a way to round out some of our favorite albums of 2018, Helly. Thank you so much for speaking to Dan and I. Absolute privilege and pleasure. No, it's my pleasure and privilege. Thank you so much for being able to. Let me chat about stuff, and there's big love from Shorty, Sowa, and Bryony as well. And I'm sure if they Straight were here... Straight back at them. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to get them all in next time. You've been listening for the record. Deeper, Alan is up next. If you wanted to listen back, head to fbiradio.com slash programs. Click on For the Record. We're going to be going on a little bit of a summer holiday for the next few weeks, but don't worry, we'll be back in February... Thanks so much for tuning in this year. If you like the show, if you want to get in contact, for the record at fbiradio.com is the place to do so. You can hit us up on Instagram, for the record FM as well. You'll see a cute little pic of us with Heli. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this one's Black Star Flies Free. Bye bye. <laughs>